Hello and welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast, featuring everything on passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in the classroom. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, and you can listen to everything here from experts in education, talk about epilepsy awareness, and featuring pop culture talk. everybody and welcome to the pixel classroom podcast episode 84 here for november of 2021 here so i hope everybody's got a warm cup of coffee or chocolate or tea whatever your preference is here and uh listen up here because we got a pretty uh a cool guest here today you know on the pixel classroom podcast I like to get some uh different guests on here not just educators and whatnot so for this one here um they are known for their retro gaming youtube channel for everyone they have uh, ever wanted to be better at a video games but every video requires players to have superhuman abilities well we got one person here who takes on titles such as Castlevania, Mega Man, Zelda, and many more for learning strategies from every classic game system from a classic NES to actually Sega Genesis. And I think we'll be talking about one of the classic Sega Genesis games uh, here a little later on. But I would like to welcome the person right here. He's known as You Can Beat uh, Video Games here, uh, webpage and channel. And actually, we'll refer to him as Kylo here uh, for the channel. So I would like to welcome Kylo here to the uh, Pixel Classroom podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, you are welcome. So, uh, you know, Kyle, why don't you just give us a little bit of uh, your background on playing games and actually what's led you to making the YouTube channel and so forth? Well, I definitely grew up playing video games. I remember getting the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, for Christmas one year. I think it was maybe 86 or 87. It had been out for a year or two at that point. I'd seen it before. And I definitely remember as a kid, like dumping out my piggy bank and like counting up my money and trying to see if I could scrape together enough to get a Game Boy, which was less expensive than a Nintendo. But I was like, well, at least it would be something, right? I would have some kind of video game. Oh, right. I-, I have to say, I can definitely remember me going with my mom's couch before she got remarried. I took out all the money I'd been collecting from her and my grandparents and counting around the couch to see if I had enough money for a yeah. game. Them. Oh, I remember it being very disappointing that it was like, oh, I got like $28 here. And I was like, Man, this is not going to do it. I'm not going to, I can't even get a game for this much money. But that year I got the Nintendo and I was like, wow, I was not expecting this. Right. So, and I put a lot of time on it for sure. I'm, I'm sure that my mother was not super excited that I was playing a lot on the Nintendo. And I know that uh, she had this comic. I don't know if you remember the far side. Oh, yeah. I remember. Gary Larson. He does these like single single panel comics, um, kind of like there's Bizarro now or whatever. There's certain other kind of comics that have the same kind of style. But the one that she had hanging up on the refrigerator at my house for my entire life was a kid playing a video game. And there's two parents. And in the parents' mind, they're thinking about the future want ads. And it's like a classified. And it says like, can you save the princess $6,000 a week? Um, you know, can you defeat Ganon, you know, $500 and all these kind of things. And the caption on it just said, hopeful parents. And it's really funny to me because that stuck out in my mind. It, it hung on the refrigerator for my entire life. But here I am in 2021 making a career out of playing Nintendo and showing other people how to do it. I am that kid. But I, it's not a joke. It's real now. Why? Wow. I know. And that's kind of funny. I think I vaguely remember someone. I know my uh, stepfather found one years ago because um, he thought I played too many games. This is back, you know, from that transition from the elementary kid to the, you know, middle school teenager. And, you know, I was playing my, you know, games and the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo hadn't come out right yet or anything. The Genesis was kind of the big game, but he ended up finding a, some kind of article that was in the paper that said my kid and it shows him like building thing. Oh, I can't wait for my kid to grow up to be an engineer. And it says a couple years later, and he's playing a video game system, which 
you're supposed to be the second Genesis. And he got that for me and he left it on the table one day and I looked at him like, Oh, come on. And of course now, now, you know, with my own, with my own son and his grandson, he just kind of goes like, Oh yeah, that's right. Tyler, what, what do you want grandpa to buy you for Christmas? Like, oh yeah. 30 years later. Oh yeah. Whatever. You know, now it's, Oh yeah. Except my your grandson playing video games. So it, it's very interesting how that culture is, really change but yeah i I mean it's very interesting and this is an interesting question too because you brought it up perfectly here when talking about you know the nintendo the super nintendo why do you need a gamecube and so forth but you know in that in that genre how do you think some of those uh, game systems have transitioned because we talked just before we started recording about how you know very retro feel the 8-bit and 16-bit is actually still alive and kicking in 2021 when the 1986 that was that was the world Oh, absolutely. And yet you see it all the time. There's a lot of new games, mostly ones made by independent studios, although there's a few big outfits out there that are doing it, like uh, Yacht Club games, I think, are a mm-hmm. decent size now. They're not as big as the like EA Sports or whatever that make these giant games for the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox series. But these older style games are still popular. People like the, the retro look. I played... Um, Bloodstained is a, a newer game which looks a lot like Castlevania. There's also a um it was a Kickstarter project and there's a more advanced looking Bloodstained game that does uh, has more realistic graphics, but there's a second like uh, a spin-off version of it that has the more Castlevania style and I played uh I can never think of the name of the game. There's Blaster Master 0. There's yes. a whole series of those. Just so many. The Messenger. If you've never played The Messenger, The Messenger is amazing. It looks like Ninja Gaiden, but it has more of a Metroid feel to it. But not to be a big spoiler, but partway through the game, it switches from 8-bit graphics to 16-bit graphics. And that becomes part of the mechanics of the game as you switch between the two styles. Very cool. That is, I, I I have my new podcast notebook as my wife gave me. So I said, I'm going to start taking more notes here, but it's like, I got to put some of this stuff down for the show notes. There. But actually, <laughs> like I said, I used to do a co-host on YouTube with a friend of mine, Adam, we would talk about comics, games, and coffee, and we would go through different genres over the years. So it's, 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 it's kind of fun to just say like, you know, how we go from that retro to classic to modern games and everything. It's like my son, you know, he loves Minecraft to death and he, but he loves them. Oh, yeah. He loves among us. He does absolutely among, but then recently he just saw Metroid dread and he's like, Oh, I want to get Metroid dead. And I go, Tyler, when I was your age. <laughs> <laughs> well, Minecraft is a funny example because the graphics on Minecraft are garbage compared to like modern, super powerful video games. But yet that is a extremely popular game. And it proves that graphics really aren't everything <clears throat> and that your expression of the gameplay and is it fun is really the most important thing. And I think that in the older retro times with some of the constraints that they had to deal with, a lot of it just came out. We're, we're going to make a fun game and it was less important to make it realistic. It was less important to make it re- relatable to something that you can see in the real world and all these other things that people have to consider now back in 1985, we're just trying to make a fun game. Yeah. And I think it's a great example. Cause I mean, if I look at Minecraft, I felt like it was the first version of doom. I mean, the graphics are similar. The first person perspective is similar. It's very simple that you don't think, you know, a game that came out, what early nineties, 93, 94 would be that in 2011, 2012, just like um, I've been, and I'm pretty sure you'll have this on your channel. You know, the original star Fox, it was the FX chip and it's blah, blah, blah. And they did game contests at Toys R Us to KB toys, which is funny. None of them are around anymore yet. Star Fox, you, you can get on the, Nintendo Switch channel everywhere from the classic to Star Fox 2 to my son just started playing Nintendo 64 because we upgraded uh we just updated our our online he's playing in, he's playing Star Fox 64 which I thought was like the coolest thing back on the Nintendo 64 way back in the day so it's 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 interesting how that is but I think about that game and then I think when Star Fox Adventures came up and Star Fox Adventure was like watching a Pixar movie I remember playing it for the first time I was telling my friends at work at the time I worked for a uh drive lock which is a local production company here in the area and i was just like looking like wow this looks like something i just saw in a, at the movie theater where the, the the detail was on the fur of fox mcleod and the characters but you know like you said it if you look at the original star fox graphics you're like wow that was so basic three-dimensional you thought it was an mtv music video oh it was like barely three-dimensional to be completely honest with you and i know that the 
the idea for Star Fox came from uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, the create legendary creator of Mario, Zelda, right. a lot of those classic franchises. He was going through, he was at a shrine in Japan where they have these archways that you can walk through. And mm. he thought it was really cool to be able to go through these like tunnels of archways that kind of would wind back and forth. There were stairways that would go through. And he was like, well, that would be fun if we were making a basic three-dimensional game to be able to enhance the three-dimensional feel of it by flying through things. And so if you look at Star Fox, that's what a lot of the gameplay is. You're flying through like rings or archways. Mm -hmm. You go inside of spaceships and you kind of loop to loop around inside. And it really gives you a good sense of 3D with the simple type of technology that they had at the time. It's very impressive. Yeah, this is our reason. You just point out perfectly why I like to actually watch your YouTube videos too. Because I mean, let's face it, there's tons of people that are doing long plays, short plays on anything from classic games to like, if I wanted to go see the current Metroid Dread and say, go on YouTube and just pluck in, you know, cutscenes Metroid Dread, I could actually get the whole story of Metroid without even playing it. But one thing I do like about your channel, similar to Parkman's Arcade's uh, YouTube channel, and hopefully he'll be here in a future episode too. But I like how you give the history of the game. You perfectly gave a wonderful history on Mario, which is the time this is recorded on uh, November 12th, and it'll air the following Tuesday. But, you know, I really like the history you actually throw into the games before you get started playing it with, you know, with your dog and the, the old classic Nintendo Turbo controller at the beginning of your YouTube video. So, <laughs> you know, um, what goes into your reason? Actually, I should say, Kyle, what, what, how do you choose your video game? For your when you're ready to do an episode, um, what how do you do your research for the for the information? You also talk like the top ten games, like on Game Pro or whatever, or Game Magazine. I mean, depends on what you're picking. And then you know what goes into filming all this. Not to mention, I've tried filming certain video games, and I apparently suck at it. For a guy who has a doctorate in technology, apparently I don't know how to record a video game screen outside my own computer. And then you know what goes the editing process before you do it? Because I mean, one up ep one episode a few weeks back, you did Dragon Quest, and I I was that kid that every week I was. On, on Dragon Quest, do I beat that game? And you, you said yourself in a previous one, like, hey, it's going to be delayed a week because I had to put in over 15 hours. And I'm just like, wow, I wonder what the game is. And when I saw it was Dragon Quest, I was like, now I understand why I said it took him 15 hours to get this down to like a two hour. <laughs> 15 hours was the length of the gameplay footage for Dra Dragon Quest. So that was just the amount of time it took me to play the game and record it. And then I had to edit it down into something that could be watchable. Um, this is a very good question, Ryan, that you're asking here, but maybe I should uh, just briefly kind of explain what the channel is like really quickly. So the people that are listening and don't really know, haven't seen you can beat video games on YouTube, know a little bit what it is. Basically what I do each week is I take a retro game. They're almost all Nintendo. I did one Super Nintendo game and I am planning on doing some more Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, maybe Game Boy mm -hmm. um, in 2022, expanding a little bit. And then we may be, good, we'll be able to go farther in the future. But for now, we're kind of sticking with uh, these systems. And I'm still going to do mostly 8-bit Nintendo in 2022, but I am going to sprinkle in some of the other ones. But at the beginning of the video, I do a brief like uh, 5 to 10 minute history of the game, a little bit about it. And it's really, why is this game cool? Why should you be interested in this game? And if you don't know much about this game, what should you know about it to kind of understand the context in which this game existed? So if you play Super Mario Brothers, and if you look at it from a very modern point of view, you're like, well, this game is very simple and very basic looking. But when you get down to it, when you think about where video games were in 1985, Super Mario Brothers is incredible. Like it is extremely cutting edge, very futuristic looking for video games. It was like right on the bleeding edge of what they were doing in the arcades at the time, which was just unheard of for a home system. And unless you really understand some of those things, it's kind of hard to appreciate the game a little bit, I feel like. And then right after I do that short history section, I play the entire game from start to finish. And I try to give a practical strategy for completing the entire game. And I also want to show whatever tricks and things that I know about the game that keep it interesting. Maybe I'll be able to show you something new. And I think that a lot of people were surprised with the Super Mario Brothers video in particular that 
there was a lot of things I was able to show that a lot of people don't know, mm-hmm. even though that's an extremely popular game that people have been playing for their entire lives. And it's like, hey, look, I can still surprise you. Right. So that's what I'm trying to do with the channel. And it does take a lot of research. So I do, I do a lot of research. I dig pretty deep into the internet and see what I can find about things. And then I need to do a lot of testing myself because when you dig deep into the internet, not everything that you find is true. (laughs) True. (laughs) And not everything that you find is practical to do either. Now, if it's really cool looking or very interesting trick, I will show it anyway, even if it is very difficult, but I want to make sure that my video shows a way that a normal person could finish the game without like devoting your entire life to being the best at this. If you ever watched a speed run of a game, which is a very popular thing now, you can tell that the people that do these speed runs have played this game thousands, tens of thousands, a hundred thousand times, and are just able to do everything with the most split second precision because they've trained themselves with muscle memory to be able to do that without even thinking, right? And you could tell that they're very upset when they mess it up because it's like, ah, how was my muscle memory wrong? I've done this so many times. Like my fingers just know what to do, but I want to be able to show something that's a little bit more for a person that doesn't want to devote that kind of time in, right? Maybe even, maybe you don't even want to actually play the game, but would be interested in just knowing how to do it so that if you come back to it at some point, you're like, okay, I understand this now. But having a better understanding of the game is one of my goals as well. So I want the, I want you as the viewer at the end of the video to feel like, wow, I really understand that game. Now. So I think that's what I'm trying to get across. And you've watched the channel. Of, yeah. I feel like it's a successful thing, but. But yeah, and it, and it is an example. Like I, I and, and this is one that you were playing Strider. I forgot what what episode. Not it wasn't too long ago. But I remember when you were showing a couple of tricks. Like yeah, I did that trick actually. A friend of mine told me. And then there was like I never knew it. Oh, like oh, okay. So this actually wasn't a mandatory item. I could have actually optionally gotten that item, and I could have still beaten the game. So you know there were some interesting things. And um, you did snake rattle and roll. And I didn't have any interest in that game. I remember it was uh at the old Blockbuster video for rent. Um, it was at the, our local store, which had a bunch of games you could rent and everything else too. I, I didn't care. My two brothers and my and my two brothers are um, uh, 13 and, and 14 years younger than me, but they they had the old Nintendo. They got Snake Rattle Roll. They loved it. They absolutely loved that game. And I was talking to my brother Trevor on a text uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, you know, you should go check out the uh, you can beat video games. They're doing Snake Rattle Roll. And he's like, oh, I remember that guy. Man, I was just so frustrated. He watched the channel. He, he, he texted me back like three letters. Guys, like, whoever this guy is, he is good. Tell him he's my hero. He actually showed me how to beat that game so I can <laughs> actually give you a true to life there kylo that you know it was and i mean it was a hard game i remember them playing it and i tried playing it and i was just like man this is crazy you know you did battletoads i actually beat battletoads i hated the stupid run race in the lava field i hated that even though i'm almost 44 i still curse that level to this day versus the (laughs) suction cup level which actually i did better on so go figure that out so i i don't understand how that worked in battletoads way back then but you know that's one thing i do like about you give these channels but sometimes you know when you're doing that and you're saying like oh this is considered the hardest level i'm like i feel your pain man i feel your pain (laughs) oh absolutely and part of my research if most of the games i grew up with and i've played as a kid i knew about them i at least maybe rented it a long time ago so i have some experience in what this game was like back in 1985 or whatever but if it is a game that's new to me that i want to learn more about i like to just kind of play it blind for a while first I do look at the instruction manual because I feel like I would have had that possibly maybe, maybe it was a rental and I didn't get the instruction manual. So you're just kind of guessing. And (laughs) there are some games legacy of the wizard. If you didn't have the instruction manual for legacy of the wizard, it would be a disaster. It doesn't explain anything to you in the game, which I kind of think is a shame. I think that game would be a little bit more popular if, the developers had just put maybe one or two screens giving you a little bit of insight into what the game's goal was so that you didn't have to read the instruction manual. I mean, if you've ever played like the beginning of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, there's that little opening cinematic, right? And it has like Leonardo and it you know shows each turtle. Well, if they had done that for Legacy of the Wizard and had been like, the father, he's good at using the glove and moving blocks. 
just being able to watch a little demo of that whenever you started the game up would have been so helpful. You're like, oh, okay, that's what this game is about. This is a Metroid-style game where I have different characters that have different abilities, and this is what those abilities are. And just having that starting point really helps you to be able to figure out the game. Yeah, Anything I... about that one? Uh, what The Game Counselor on the Netflix documentary series, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called uh, High Score, I think it's called. Oh yeah, I've heard of, I've never really, I don't watch it very much. Like I said, it's just like, it's finding the time to watch some of these episodes. But yeah, oh, I've, yeah. Heard, I've heard of the cha- I've heard of that YouTube uh, streaming series, yeah. There's a guy who worked for the Nintendo tip line, so people could call Nintendo back in the 80s oh, and yeah, ask I was, for help. Yep, I was okay. one. <laughs> and he said that Legacy of the Wizard was the nightmare call to get. If you got somebody on the line that was playing Legacy of the Wizard, it was an absolute disaster. It was like, well, where are you in the game? It's like, well, there's uh, gray blocks around and like an enemy that looks like a snail. <laughs> And so you're this other person on the other side of the phone trying to figure out how do I help this 10-year-old child figure out legacy of the wizard and get them to even articulate to me what the problem is. They're like, well, well, what's going on? Where are you stuck? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not even sure what I'm looking for, game counselor guy, but I know I can't get anywhere in this game. <laughs> um, there's a, do you remember the movie The Wizard with Fred Savage? Oh, I mean, who could forget the yeah, wizard? Yeah, but the, the, the when she's calling up um, Kelsey, who played Haley in the movie, she was ta- when she's talking to guy at the get the strategy tips for for him at the Nintendo headquarters. The director said he actually sent something to Nintendo headquarters when Nathan Phillips was still president, and him he was actually doing what he considered. They talked to a couple people where they said, "Well, this is when we have the crazy calls. And this is what it could look like." I never mentioned Legacy of the Wizard, but in my head, I was thinking Legacy of the Wizard. I was thinking of Snake Rattle. I was thinking of Shadowgate, the early years, because some people oh, yeah. love Shadowgate. Yeah. But it was like once you got past this level, you were like, "Where do I go? What do I do? Where? What? What?" I, I remember calling the. I ended up a friend of mine because he couldn't do it. I called the helpline and I asked him about like, "Well, it's this level and it's the thing." He's like, "What do you do when you? What do you do when you go to a wishing well?" I said, "You throw a coin." He's like, "I just gave you the answer." <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that phone call too. And I did. And my friend was able to, you know, beat the game as a result. So. Oh, that's awesome. I actually, my mom would not let me call the Nintendo counselors, but I was allowed to write a letter mm. and Shadowgate was one of the ones that I definitely had to write a letter asking a couple questions about. I remember I had maybe three questions about Shadowgate. And when the letter eventually did come back, I remember I was like, oh, now I can immediately beat Shadowgate. Right. And, and that's what was, and that was what actually was nice about because whether it was the 900 number, I know my mom got mad because I would call uh, Captain Power, uh, Captain Nintendo on Sundays. That was, <laughs> that was our old system. That was free day. So I would call to hear all the tips. And one of them was Shadowgate and some were some others and so forth. But there were some ones I know early days of Super Mario Brothers 3, especially after the wizard came out. Like there were some tips. I was like, oh, that's how I get that extra warp whistle. Now I know how he did it in the movie. And then I would go do it. But it, it's interesting, you know, like you said, Legacy of the Wizard. I remember reading about Legacy of the Wizard. I said, I don't want to play this game. This sounds way too flipping complicated. I didn't know what it was. I, I was such a two-scroller guy like Mario or Mega Man or, or open world like Legend of Zelda. And you did Legend of Zelda too. But you did some trips like, yeah, I skipped a level to do that. I, I remember doing that. Like, oh, so that's how I could have farmed more jewels and so forth. But I remember the, like the Lost Forest was such a pain. And a friend of mine said, oh, Ryan, you got Nintendo Pod. I said, yeah, go to this one. They'll tell you how to get out of the forest. I'm like, oh, thank God I can finally get out of that Lost Forest. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not sure how people did a lot in these video games if you didn't have Nintendo Power because there wasn't the internet, there wasn't a lot of good information. So unless you had Nintendo Power or you can talk to another kid at school that had Nintendo Power, then you know that's what there was. I definitely, I'm actually working on a new episode. The one for this week that's coming up is The Adventures of Bayou Billy, which is an extremely difficult oh, game. Oh, I, I got that for Christmas and I love that game. Oh, Super, man. super hard game. Very fun, cool, like genre blending game. But I'm actually, I'm just finishing that one up. But the, the next video after that, I'm going to do the second quest of The Legend of Zelda. Mm, mm, that would be good. So that's the plan there. And I think without Nintendo Power, I'm not even sure a lot of people would have known that the second quest even existed. There's nothing that really tells you that there's going to be all new levels and entirely new overworld layout for the second quest. Nothing really says that. I mean, whenever you finish Super Mario Brothers, it's like, yeah, there's another quest and you can start up and play and it's a little bit harder this time. And a lot of games had that, right? Like, um, Oh, yeah. 
Ghosts and Goblins is the classic one where they forced you to play it through the second time if you wanted to see the good ending. But Legend of Zelda, I mean, it just kind of opens up again. The sword's in the same place. Level one's in the same spot. If you only played for maybe a minute or something after finishing the game, you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess it just starts up and maybe it's a little bit harder this time. But you would have no idea that there's this whole second quest in there, except that they were mentioning it in Nintendo Power. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, okay, I, so I, wow, I there's a whole out. bunch yeah. of stuff going on here. Yeah, I mean, the, I remember the first time I, they mentioned it, Nintendo Power was interesting. But it was actually an issue of the old Game Pro magazine that actually made me go. And they went through the first four levels. I was like, what? Huh? And then, then Nintendo, I think it was like a year later, actually posted the, the the second quest in Zelda. And by then, a lot of people had moved on to Zelda 2 or were like, oh, I'm not going back to that game, too. You know, it's like we look at, oh, let's go. You know, oh, wow. I never knew that existed back then. We're like, no, we beat the game. I'm going to clear. I'm going to, you know, f- you know, fly the checkered flag. I'm done. <laughs> You know. Done, right? Yeah, like that was it. I finished the game. Uh, let me play something else now. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Same thing with Battletoads. Like once I think like Battletoads was a great example. Once that game was over, you were just like, I finally survived. I'm done. I'm fin- finished. Oh, Battletoads. Yeah, Battletoads is so hard, but very satisfying game <laughs> as well. So I mean, there is that. I really think that Battletoads should have just had unlimited continues. I think that that game is difficult enough that Unlimited continues. It would have still been a very good challenge. Like, not that many people would have beaten it. Think about how many people beat Ninja Gaiden or Ghosts and Goblins. Those games have Unlimited continues. And I think that would have just been fair. It's not like, uh, I mean, if you have if you lose three lives and you have to start over on some of those vehicle segments, I mean, you still have to learn them. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good point. I, and it was really interesting. Like I said, I, this was actually on a couple of different other YouTube channels where they were talking too, where they were saying how some games had to go back. And you even said one on Ghost and Goblins too, and I know, uh, and so forth. But they talked about how they made the game so hard and challenging. And the original creators thought, you know, they should be hard and challenging. But even years later, with some of the original, like Tasaki and Zozi, they've gone back in, you know, 20, 30 years and say, you know what? Maybe we were a little too out of control with the game should be that hard because, you know, you know, you still got the original Legend of Zelda's creators and you know the series has gone so high you know you got breath of the wild 2 coming out early this coming year in 2022 but you know they look back but then sometimes they went you know what maybe we maybe we went too far with that level (laughs) you know it's like you know as they say age provides wisdom to you oh absolutely and i do feel like a lot of old nintendo games hate you and want you to lose like (laughs) these games do not want you to win like they're holding back some kind of untold secrets and they just cannot give them away like no you must never get to Princess Zelda. That's ours. And we're going to keep you from this tooth and nail. No way. Don't get in here. Modern video games are like, we really want you to win. And if you're doing poorly, we're going to maybe give you some tips. We're going to ask you, would you, would you like an easier difficulty, sir? Because we noticed that the game is kind of giving you a rough time. Even in some of those later Mario games, I remember the one on the Wii, I think, and maybe the Wii U. At one point, after you lose enough lives, it's like, would you like to see Luigi finish the level for you? Right. (laughs) It's just like, well, no, I actually wanted to play it myself, but I can see how somebody that's frustrated be like, yeah, that'd be fine. I'd really just like to get to the next one. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. They had this inclusion that everybody should beat it. I think, and th- this is, like I said, this is more of an empathy too, because they realize, like, in a grand example, you know, if you or me were playing video games, like, oh, they're boys, they're guys, they're they're playing video games. Girls would play these. I had a friend of mine, she secretly kept it quiet that she was such a big Sega entertainment system. She played Psycho Fox, you know, which I'm a fan of, which don't explain oh, yeah, why. Yeah. I, play, I played the game maybe twice in my life, but I just love the concept of the game. And the Sega Genesis, she didn't tell anybody until she was almost old enough to drive and we were out after basketball. I used to play basketball and we were out and talking about it and everything I'd play. And she goes, and I was talking, I don't know what, how the conversation we were talking about video games. And she talked about, we all looked at her like, what do you mean? And she would tell like, oh, I've actually been playing since I was nine and blah, blah, blah. And so forth. And we were like shocked by this, but she would say too, about some of the emphasis. She's like, you know, I would have liked if they would have made that game a little easier. She's like, I don't want to say I'm a girl. I can't play video games, but it would have been nice if they think, you know, not everybody's going to be able to hit that achievement. Wouldn't it be good to do this? Like you said, Battletoads have more unlimited continue where you had those unlimited continues in you know other games like you know like legend of zelda and so forth but here battle tells are like nope here's your minds you either get through it or you don't (laughs) 
I really like difficulty sliders. I think that that was a good introduction to a lot of games, just being able to change it so that you can make it a little bit harder if you're somebody that likes a challenge or a little bit easier if you're somebody that just kind of wants to see the game and enjoy the mechanics of it all. One of the great examples of an older game like that is Mega Man 2, Mm -hmm. which they added an easier difficulty from the Japanese version whenever they localized it for North America. And I think that was a great addition, and I really wish they would have stuck with that for the other Mega Man games, where instead, I think they just kind of added in a lot more energy tanks. Yeah, I agree with that. And that was their solution. They're like, well, instead of having difficulty sliders, we're just going to make it so that there's more energy tanks that are available to you. But I think it was fun when I played Mega Man 2 and was able to finish it on the easier mode. It's like, well, let's try that harder one now. Give you something else to do later. Yeah, and, and, and that was something you didn't get in the first Mega Man, because, I mean, let's face it, if people think about Mega Man was out there, but until Mega Man 2 really came out, um, it was it was like it was better marketed. People wanted to get it, even if they had never played the first Man. But I remember I was visiting my dad um, when he was uh, living in Cincinnati, and he said, well, let's get you a video game. And I said, I want to get Mega Man 2. I've heard really good things. I didn't really play the first. And he got it, and, he got, and I loved it. And after that, like for the next six Christmases, he bought me each Mega Man sig- signal, uh, sequel until I was old enough to buy my own. And my last one I ever bought was Mega Man 6 because that was the official game out there. But I do remember playing Mega Man 4 and 5. And I said, man, Mega Man 4 was so hard compared to Mega Man 5. And But then I realized, like, wait, they were giving us more. So by the time we got the Mega Man 6, there was more energy. There was more chances for one-ups. You figured out some things with the bosses. But there was also ways, like, they gave the extra levels to, like, do you want to beat the Robot Master in Mega Man 6? Sure. If not, go this way and you can get the beat. So then you can get beat to help you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beat in Mega Man 5, if you use it on the final boss, just like destroys the final boss. Yeah. Uh, it was like pretty broken, actually. I was like, oh, wow, that's how you beat the final boss. You just like use beat and just kind of hang out for a minute and he dies. Yeah. So they, yeah, they definitely made them a little bit easier by giving you more stuff. But I think that the difficulty slider was a nice thing. I would have liked to have seen give me Mega Man 5 and then have difficult mode on there. And then the next time you play, it's like really hard. Maybe you can only hold one energy tank. That would be a good difficulty slider. Yeah, said we're we're thinking about this 25 years later, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I don't even think that's a very difficult change to make in the programming, though, honestly. If you just kind of reduce the number of things you can hold, that would make it a little bit more difficult. It should be kind of fun that way. Yeah. And, you know, and going back to, I mean, you've done a really good thing about why you do these episodes and everything, but what is, what is the beginning to end version before you, you know, give us the preview, like, Hey, this episode will drop at 10 Eastern on Saturday here for the episode. Like, you know, you get all your hours and you do all your uh, tricks and tricks. And like I said, you've done things like I watched nightmare on Elm street and you say, you know, here's what happens if Freddie catches you, but you played the most of the game without Freddie catching you until you got to the end. Like, let me show you how easy it is actually to beat Freddie on nightmare on Elm street, you know, without doing that, just like you did um, when you did dragon quest, you're like, well, here, what we're going to do with not getting this here. Here I am at the highest level and I'm going to just destroy dragon Lord. So, but you know, like, how does that go from those hours to editing it to that finite to, okay, I'm uploading to YouTube and a half an hour later, it's, you know, it's ready to go to be scheduled the premiere here at 10 Eastern time on YouTube. Well, part of being self-employed is uh, being a little bit organized with yourself. So I have milestones that I feel like I need to reach to be able to make my self-imposed deadline of releasing on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And to be completely honest with you, Ryan, though, if anybody out there wants to get into YouTube, one of the best things I can tell you to do is try to release your videos on a consistent schedule. If you release a video every day, release it every day at the same time. If you want to release a video once a month, release it once a month on the same day at the same time. Whatever you're doing, do it consistently so that your audience can know when to look for your stuff. It's one of the easiest ways to get a lot of views on your thing is to just have people simply know when to look for it. But By doing that, of course, I put a deadline on myself. So now I need Mm -hmm. to get this content done by this time. And to do that, I need to complete certain goals. So by the end of Monday, I want to have the game completely played and recorded. Uh, A lot of times that takes a lot of planning beforehand. And the research phase and all that stuff, a lot of times I need to put that just in my free time whenever I'm done with the previous video. So... I like try to do the the research whenever I have extra time to figure out a lot of these things. 
and I make a lot of notes. I have an outline of what I want to do when I play the game because I need to show a lot of tricks and I want to make sure that it's going to flow whenever I play it. So I need to know everything that I need to do in the game before I even sit down to play. Right. And then I need to get a good run going. So maybe it'll take a few tries. Not everything always goes to plan whenever you're doing a video game. So I want to have that done by Monday. Then for Tuesday, I write the script for my intro and I record that. And then I build the intro from the clips that I recorded from the, uh, the gameplay. And a lot of times I'll need to play other games to supply short clips for the intro. So I'll make a list of all of those. So if I want to give examples of other games that were made by Capcom, Mm -hmm. so I'll be like, okay, Capcom also made Mega Man. They made the uh, Little Nemo or whatever. So, and then I'll show like, you know, a few second clips of those things, but I need to record all that. So got to get all those clips together and have those ready to go. And so I edit that all together and then I have to put the the gameplay all together in my editing software. The editing software I use is called Lightworks, which is free. Mm. Um, I did pay the money to upgrade it though, so that I could use HD features. But if uh, people want to try one, it's, it's a free software and it's pretty nice. A lot of good features. And so I use that, build the whole video out, and then I sit down and record the voiceover. So I record the whole voiceover and then I put that into the video and I edit it down so that I like the way that it sounds, kind of try to tweak the audio and make it sound good mixed with the sound of the video game itself so that my voice isn't too loud or the game isn't like louder than my voice. All those kind of things need to be done. And then I spend a lot of time creating the graphics. So all of my videos have informational graphics on the sides of the screen. Old Nintendo games run in that old four by three aspect ratio. Modern monitors have a wider 16 by 9 aspect ratio so i use the sides to provide extra information about the tricks or the bosses or whatever we're doing in the game to give you a little bit of information that maybe i'm not able to fully deliver in the voiceover or to just reinforce what i'm saying in the voiceover yeah and i really do like that feature too because in our time you do like you said that four by three versus a 16 it, it's very interesting but i love your info and the funny thing is like sometimes i took screenshots as you know i do the perler beads as we talked about too sometimes like oh he like he just gave me a really good one. i'm gonna put together the little you know item there and then you know I'll have the <laughs> so i have a lot of fun with that too and i'm i'm working i'm working on something right now it's a little mini project which i'll hopefully get the release some more information in a couple of months here with uh somebody else here but you know i've been taking those notes because we need to kind of incorporate the that pixelization. And I kind of say, Oh, this would be a good one to do that, you know, do the color scheme and do everything else. So I love that little feature is too, but yeah, I think it's very interesting. It's like when I do the podcast, you said it perfectly about the schedule. Like when I do the podcast, I try to release some Tuesdays because most podcasts, not only are released Tuesdays, people are ready to say, okay, the work week started. Um, I want to listen to something on the way to work, or I want to do something while I'm working at the gym. Um, I have several people listen to mine that they, every Tuesday they do their workout early in the morning. They listen to podcasts like mine and they get there. And I have that versus when I do my comic reviews for the spider-man crawl space i tend to either get them the day of the release or within those two days so everybody expects that and there's two other reviewers who do there's the old classic you know type it out and pop it up there but it's like you always can expect peter and neil to have it up the day of the release of that issue of spider-man or whatever versus like well ryan's either going to get it wednesday to friday we know he has a crazy schedule he actually teaches you know he doesn't have time to film everything and then do the edits and then pop it up on youtube but people expect me to release when i don't release anything for a week everybody's like well what's going on is he okay (laughs) you know but it's it's that consistency that really does matter. And I think some people don't realize that that's how you do it for your viewers and to keep the channels going, that you keep that up. And sometimes, you know, some ones are every two weeks, they drop one and people, but people don't know are they're going to drop it on a Tuesday or is it going to be late Friday night to say, Oh, here's uh, we're going to talk about the history of the Knights of Tyranno from the late nineties and blah, blah, blah. Everybody loves our channel. We have sponsors. We have 6 million viewers, but people were like, well, your last episode added four weeks ago. What took you so long? You know? Exactly, for sure. So being a consistent releaser, and all, I mean, definitely everything that you put out should be of good quality, right? I feel like, you know, putting out pretty bad stuff here and there is just going to turn people off. And it doesn't take a lot to get people to be not interested anymore by putting out just something that looks slapped together and, you know, 
it's not worth it to try to make the schedule so hard that you make something bad, but which is why when I realized I wasn't going to be able to finish my dragon warrior video, I'm like, all right, I have to take a week off and really work on it more because I'm not going to just rush this and put out something that I don't feel good about. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example too. Like I, I record, I do blended for my students and everything, but I, I want to sit down and record those videos and say, no, I'm recording it here because they will understand video versus like, I'm trying to rush it and then slap it on. So it'll be on Google classroom by, you know, one o'clock today. It's more like, no, versus like, nope, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to put here. Yes. This will take in 18 minutes, but at least it'll be nice and professional. I've done it three days in advance. And then, you know, if something happens, I have time to fix it, but at least it's consistent. My students expect it to be consistent and they know they're going to get the quality. And if they really get stuck, they'll just be like, Hey, you know, Dr. Reed, I have a problem. You know, I'm having this issue. I said, what did I say in the video? I said, do this. I said, yes, but I also said click here. And they went, Oh, I, I missed that. Sorry. Exactly. So those are the things you just want to make sure that you have a, a good product out there. You're creating good content and releasing consistently. Now, to be fair, I did go to college for video production. Mm. So uh, I do think that gave me a lot of advantages for sure to be able to make uh, good quality YouTube. I have professional training in video production stuff, although I hadn't really been using that until now. So I was just working a sales job before that. <laughs> well, and I, like I said, I have my, my undergraduate, I mean, I have a doctorate in technology and, and education. I have a theater degree. I actually was talking to some students yesterday and they said, you do not have a theater degree. And I popped it up on my phone. Like, see this, it does say bachelor of theater arts. I said, yeah, but some people said, well, that makes sense. And you're a teacher. And then you do these videos. So actually it's amazing. You've used that all years later. I said, yeah, I used to have to do write up things for radio commercials for upcoming plays for my college. I didn't record it, but I had to type out all the scripts. And now here I am, you know, talking to you zoom, but you know, I have this basic script here about what we should talk about. So, you know, it did help me, you know, 20 odd years later. So it, it's, it's great. And then, like you said, your video production, so it's come back to help you, you know, you're self-employed now, but you know, look at the bright side, you've, you've taken that experience and you've really put it into something you're very passionate about. Oh, I mean, it's awesome for sure. And certainly I work a lot more hours doing this than I used to ever work before. Sometimes I'm up all night on Friday night, trying to get it done for Saturday morning. The, the video I did for gauntlet, which was like a about two hour long video and I played all 100 levels of Gauntlet. And I think a lot of people don't even know that Gauntlet on the Nintendo actually has an end, unlike yeah, the arcade version. The arcade. Yeah, I agree. The arcade version goes on forever and they just start kind of flipping things around and making like slight changes to the levels as they repeat later on into the game. But the Nintendo version has a real ending to it. And that one was finally uploaded at 956. So it was ready to go four minutes before my 10 a.m. deadline. And I, I think I finished the video itself at like seven in the morning. But because it was so long, it took hours to render and upload. Well, yeah. And like I said, when I when you said you can beat Gauntlet, I went, you can? Wait, what? Like, you know, that's like I said, I remember, play, you know, I played it, you know, the old arcade, the old Aladdin's Castle back then. I even had a birthday party where a bunch of us were just throwing tokens in the game and not going anywhere. But, you know, you said, no, this is a dead end room. You don't want to go here. You want to go here. But here's how you get the Hydra Dragon. I was like, there's an ending? What? Huh? <laughs> I was like, but at the same time, I thought in my head, like, my God, he must have put through many, just as many hours as he did Dragon Quest on this one. <laughs> so so many hours right just like but it doesn't matter when you're passionate about what you're doing i'm like having a good time doing it even the parts that are more like work like doing the voiceover feels like work making the graphics feels like work but even that's like kind of fun so oh yeah i'm still having a good time doing it Right. So that, that that's an amazing thing. So it is. And, you know, and, you know, moving on here as we get over toward the time here and everything. So, you know, stuff coming up. So, you know, you get, you got a, you know, you, you're, you got a website, you know, I remember when you did that and I bought one of your stickers, it's actually downstairs on my sticker board. I have these sticker boards that I frame and everything. Oh, cool. Things, things. So it's there. I wanted to get more, but as they say, I'm paying the mortgage. And like I said, I got a almost <laughs> 11 year old and a wife and oh, right crazy stuff. But, um, you know, what, 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 what did do? I do like your t-shirt. I'm hoping to buy one of these people. Like, like, what if I told you, which is, like your your catchphrase just so you're like at the end of each of your videos you'll spoiler it's always now we'll sit back and enjoy the cheesy end and i said yes some of these endings were really cheesy pretty cheesy no doubt i, I can't wait for your buy you billy one because I, I i always went like oh this is so touching <laughs> <laughs> oh wait do you see in the buy you billy one i talk about the original game 
for the Famicom in Japan is mm-hmm. way easier. They like supercharged the difficulty for the American release. So I definitely show a lot of like what they changed. So it's uh, interesting stuff. Right. And actually not to do too much spoilers. I know this is going to air on Tuesday here after we're done recording um, everything, but I have to say, did you by chance reference by you, Billy from the old captain N game uh, cartoon? I definitely did. Okay. I was hoping I'm like, please tell me you did. It was like back in my mind for the last half an hour. I've been thinking, I hope he references that. (laughs) Cause I absolutely (laughs) referenced both the the captain N and there was a comic book series as well. Mm -hmm. So I show both of that. Yeah, but oh yeah, I, I I remember watching that episode, you know, and everything else. And I was cracking up <laughs> even back then. <laughs> I was older and more mature, as they say. But I and then like I saw it years later on one of the family channel episodes, and I think I was like 18 at the time, almost 19. I was like a freshman in college, but I just remember watching it, just going, you know, even to this day, I'm still laughing at that. <laughs> it's like where they were kind of true to the game, and then they weren't true to the game. But I love it when they show like like what was Captain N's game before he got sucked into the video world and he's playing by you bill and he's like oh no and i'm like i don't remember that happening in the game (laughs) oh the the way they show him playing by you billy on like the the animated version of it is really funny it looks kind of like pitfall actually i don't think i don't think the person that drew this actually played by you billy at all they really weren't sure what it was yeah, and and, uh, and I I think it was uh was it was it was it Christopher North I think it did the voice of Billy in it. I mean he was really it was like when he was an early in um, animation. Some people I say Chris North. I was like oh yeah he's done these voices. Like yeah, but this was early in his career. But I always laughed at him saying I didn't know if he was trying to be Southern or Cajun at times. In the <laughs> it's like Chris was they basically probably just gave him a script. He had no idea what the mo- the game was and just said well I'll try to sound Southern but I'll call it a little bit like I'm from the from the Bayou. <laughs> it was just, you just yeah. hear his voice it's as enough chris that's fine that's fine we're one take we're done here yeah i can just see him sitting on a studio on a friday morning and cup of coffee and three hours later like okay chris we'll 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 tell you when your check's ready okay bye i'm heading off (laughs) oh yeah captain and very corny show but i remember watching that all the time as a kid that was one of my favorites yeah, it, it, it was a thing. That's, I mean, you did Kid Icarus and I, I was I was jumping in. My son actually got into Kid Icarus and actually after your video aired, I actually went on the switch and played Kid Icarus and actually used your tips to get very far. I said, oh, after all these years, I can finally figure out how to get this easier. Thank you there. You can beat video games. Thank you. Finally, it only took me four years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, had a, I had a friend of mine that told me, I was like, Kid Icarus is impossible. And I was like, no, no, no. You just have to get past level one and be completely powered up almost then you can beat the game but they really don't make that very clear get Icarus's stuff yeah it, it is and i and he's still a classic i love that when they brought him back in um smash brothers i was just like floored but at the same time we never really truly get that kid icarus years later yeah we got a game boy version of it but i'm like come on it's like bring pit back you got the everybody like like lost their minds when they saw the trailer and then they released like the game boy 3ds version which people love and with voices, but it was like, come on, everybody wants a current Nintendo version of Pit. Everybody thought that was like going to be the second coming of Pit finally after 30 years, and it never happened. <laughs> right. It's like get one of these companies that can make these good retro games to work on it. What else, what else are they doing? You know, get them on one of these projects. Yeah. I still I, wish they would make Star Tropics. Oh, I agree. I when you were doing Star Tropics one and two, I was just like, Oh, I love Star. My cousin loves Star Tropics to death. So I would like to see Mike Jones from Star Tropics and Smash Brothers. I think that would be a good start to kind of gauge interest and see if uh, people will be into it. But I really think they could get one of those companies like uh, Retro Studios or somebody to make a cool Star Tropics game with a retro feel to it that I think a lot of people will be into. Yeah, and I think it's good. And one thing when you're playing Star Tropics too, because I remember the old Nintendo Power we had doing. I never knew the ending was almost like based. I, I remember years ago, like, why does that look like Tetris pieces? And you were doing it like it was Tetris. <laughs> I was like, yep. I was right thirty years ago. So you know, it it was kind of fun with games like that. So you know, you know, this has been a great time. You know, you know, you're, you you've got the you know you got the web store, which I think is really cool. Great thing you got Facebook, your Instagram, Twitter. But what's some uh, cool projects you coming? We talked about you want to get a little bit more into some of the Sega Genesis games some of the super nintendo one but where, where are you hoping to go with uh you can beat video games uh well i'd say my goal for you can beat video games is i would like to cover pretty much all of the good original nintendo games so i'd like to have like almost every game that i think it's uh good and coverable there's some games that are probably like not very good to cover um i'm afraid to do something like bubble bobble that has one oh, piece of music yeah that would go on for like four hours. I just don't think that I could handle editing that together. 
Especially if, or, I, if I get to the last ending and the good ending and bad ending. Uh, I, I still hate that to this day. Yeah, I mean, you just have to pause the game and hit select and have an extra life or whatever. But the uh, or or Lolo, I really like the Lolo game. Lolo, yeah. Like one piece of music the entire time. My wife complained about me playing Lolo three at one point. She's like, I just hear you playing that same that same tune over and over again. It's driving me insane up here. Yeah, you know, and, and you think that's really bad when your wife even complains about. It. I remember we were we were doing something and Tyler was playing something and my my wife Melissa went, "Does that thing have more than just one soundtrack?" And I was like, "Not back then, they didn't." <laughs> yeah, there's a Game Boy version of Lolo, and it actually has a few different songs on it. And I'm like, well, why couldn't you do that for Lolo 3? Or giving me the option to turn the music off. I think yeah. if Bubble Bobble gave you the option to turn the music off, that would have been like just a really nice thing they could have thrown in there. Just yeah. keep you going for more levels. Yeah, and, that, and that's really interesting too. Like, you know, we talked about Mega Man 2. Mega Man 2 still has one of the coolest soundtracks, I mean, after all these years too. And honestly, I think the only one that came close to having a much more um, out there soundtrack was probably Mega Man uh, 4 because it really just had those levels and really kind of gave you that epic feel too. But I mean, all of them were good, but you know, if I, everybody says like, you know, what's the thing you remember? If get, I remember the music or I remember that music was so annoying. I just had to hit mute because I just could not stand it. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple games that I'm not sure would be very good to cover. And anything that's just way too long, I'm just not really sure if I'm ready to, to handle yet. Something that's going to take more than three hours for the video is just probably too much. I'd like to keep them under two hours when possible, but I can do a few projects. So I think one of the games that I would like to cover is the original Final Fantasy. Mm, mm, I have good. a lot of notes on that. I'd like to do a similar video that I did to the Dragon Warrior one, but with Final Fantasy. So work on something like that. And then, yeah, get into some Super Nintendo, some Sega Genesis, a few of those for next year. But keep covering the, the NES games and um, just keep that going for now. Maybe eventually we'll get to some more powerful systems, like maybe we'll get up to PlayStation and Nintendo 64. I don't think I'm going to go any higher than that, though. There's just so much within that space to cover. I could get TurboGrafx-16 if oh, we yeah. get into those. So maybe a handful of those games would be cool to cover eventually. But that's like maybe in the, the five-year plan. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot out there. Like I said, I had mentioned a couple of things in the old Sega uh, Entertainment, you know, Master System and everything. There's some classic ones there. It's just getting the emulator. I mean, you could do the Rocky series. You could do, like I said, Psycho Fox or Alex Kitt. And you've got some classics in there. But, you know, it does get on to a point where you're just like, well, where do I want to? Do I want to jump into them or do I want to stay, as they say, in that one genre and just kind of see how it evolved over a course of, I mean, you got to think about between the Nintendo itself coming out and all the way to the Nintendo 64, which was 1996. Six. I always joke about, you know, when I start, you know, when I started first grade to when I graduated high school, just the leap in video games in that in that margin is pretty amazing within a 10 year cycle. Oh, yeah. When you look at like PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5, I think the jump is just a lot more subtle than it was back in those days. You look at Super Nintendo and you look at Nintendo and you're like, yeah, I can see the difference immediately. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like I said, you can see the difference between here's classic Legend of Zelda. Now here's Zelda Link to the Past where it's the same aerial view open world, but it's like, whoa, but you see the difference, even though it's 16 versus 8-bit, but you see a huge difference between the first Legend of Zelda and then, you know, 10 years later, the second Legend of Zelda. Third right, and look at something like very good quality on the PlayStation 4, like the God of War game. Oh, yeah. And look at a new PlayStation 5 game, like the Spider-Man game, and you're like, well, I mean, these aren't that too far away from each other, right? Like, there's some really cool lighting effects and things going on in that new Spider-Man game for PlayStation 5 that maybe they couldn't have done on the PlayStation 4, but just like, you know, the next generation is, it's not the same kind of leap that we had before. And I don't know that we're ever going to have a leap like that again, unless for like virtual things like that. Although virtual reality seems like it hasn't gotten off the ground very well. Yeah. I keep trying it, but it's not like a lot of people are not picking it up. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because AR is more effective where people can pull out their phones and go over a book or a comic and get things jumping out at them. Or, you know, like me as a teacher, Flipgrid and get that AR. But it's like, you know, you think of the old virtual boy, the old, you know, 
virtual. Yeah. There's playing the old Wario. And then yeah, I have an Oculus one. And I and I have I have friends that might have the Oculus two and their kids playing. But I look at it, it's like I see the you know the manger in graphics, but you know, I think somebody said it perfectly a couple of years ago at what believe it or not, one of the Apple shows where they say, Stop trying to make virtual reality a thing. I said, well, virtual reality is great. The thing is it you think there would have been more of a jump, you know, back in the mid nineties would, you know, Keanu Reeves, you know, uh, Johnny pneumatic. We thought that's where virtual reality was going to go, or was going to be a little bit more advanced. Now you see it. And it's like, you know what? I hate to say it. You know, that movie is supposed to place place in like 2029 and here it is 20, almost 2022. And we're like, well, we have something better, but unfortunately it never made that kind of leap like it did in that movie, which is something you kind of go, Oh, that's interesting. Versus you see star Wars or star Trek. And you're like, we have that now forget the 24th century. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I did play the cool virtual reality games. I have the PlayStation one, and I think they're Beat Saber. Beat oh. Saber is amazing. So anybody that has almost any VR platform, I think, has Beat Saber. This is an incredible game. And I played the entirety of Resident Evil 7 on the virtual reality, which was terrifying. Yeah. Um, but very different experience from playing it in uh, not virtual reality. You... You feel more compelled to use your good weapons whenever it seems like things are like really going to come and kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, or in like regular Resident Evil, I'm like, I'm saving my good guns like all the time. And you get to the end and you're like, well, I just had this stockpile of weapons that I never used. But when you're playing in virtual reality and the zombies are just coming at you, you're like, no, I'm giving those magnum bullets, whatever I got, put them in this guy. Man, that's great. Well, you know, this has been a great time, Kyla. You know, thank you so much for taking time out to to do this from your busy schedule and everything to be on the podcast. I I really I think you've really provided some great things to our listeners as well as myself. You know, even even giving some tips and education as well as classic gamers and even new gamers out there. So, you know, I thank you for your, your taking the time to do this with us today. Oh no, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So if Anybody is into any kind of classic gaming, if you like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, that kind of stuff, definitely check out You Can Beat Video Games on YouTube. It's not Y-O-U, it's just like the letter U. You Can Beat Video Games like that. And the mascot of the channel is a golden retriever dog. So if you see a dog, then you know you're in the right place. And it's, it's fun. I think a lot of people have been very surprised when they watch it just how interesting it is to watch somebody else play a video game. I was skeptical of that at first too, but uh, you know, during the pandemic and things like that, I started watching a lot more YouTube and I'm like, Oh, you know, there's just not a lot of great videos for some of these older games that really explain a practical strategy for how to play them and reveal some of the cool tricks. And if you think, you know, everything about some of these games, I challenge you to watch some of my videos and not learn something new because I'm really trying to show some cool new stuff in every single one. So we're up to 50 games played at this point, and I hope to do a whole lot more. So yeah, definitely check it out. You can beat video games on YouTube and also check out the website. You can beat video We have really nice, easy to use episode lists on there. So if you just kind of want to see all the games that I've played, so you can pick and choose and take a look at, some of the videos definitely check that out too and of course i'm on twitter it's uh you can beat video g1 at uh twitter and i'm on instagram you can beat video games on instagram facebook all the stuff yeah and, and like i said thank you so much it's like i said i discovered your channel during the pandemic too and that's when i kind of did some other things too but i i agree it's like you know i and you know i'm a business teacher but you know i always tell my marketing students like you know some people have done things but you have to figure out where is that niche that's not being filled i mean people like you or pac-man arcades or toy galaxy they you know it's not like there are other youtube channels similar to that who have you know just as many followers but you know it's like people try to recreate and they never really do it like i said i could google search give me the long play of ghostbusters the video game with harold ramus's voice and you know i'll have 80 hits on youtube but you know there's some people where you hit it and you're like oh you know this is different he's giving us a history he's giving us tricks you know what i'm gonna go to my switch or you know i'm gonna go to my emulator and i'm gonna try playing that game uh and just try some of these tricks so you know it's really cool and like i said my son who's played a couple of the classic games i gave him some of your tips and you know he's he's followed them too and uh and so forth or he found one i said well actually i didn't know about that one i never knew it existed but you know the you know the you you know kylo and you can beat games can actually you know show you how to do that so it's very relevant and you know just so you know it's it's a fun time, and I, I thank you greatly for uh, bringing this uh, out to the world of uh, online. Oh, thanks a lot, Ryan. And I mean, if 
if the videos make you feel empowered to go and play the game yourself, then I really do think that I have achieved the mission of the channel because that's really what it's all about. It's not about me being good at games. I think there's a lot of YouTube out there that's about, you know, this person's really good at the game and you can watch and just see how good they are. And it's about them. But this is really more about you. The channel is about teaching a regular person how to play these games and how to enjoy them. And whenever you watch the video, you should feel like at the end, this is something that I could do. And I do want to pop it into the Nintendo or fire up the Switch and play one of these games. And if you get that from it, then I, yeah, I really think that I was successful with it. That's it. And like I said, once again here, and I'll have all the information on the show notes too. So, you know, Kylo, thank you one more time here for being on the Pixel Classroom Podcast. And for those, please go check out his YouTube channel or at least check out what he is on the notes. And if you have any information, go ahead and just leave us a voicemail or any comments on that. And on that note, everybody, uh, considering this is a video game and we are the Pixel Classroom Podcast, I think this is a great way to sign out for the day. So thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you later on the Pixel Classroom Podcast. you once again for listening to the pixel classroom podcast remember if you like what you hear please think about leaving us a review or subscribing or leaving us a voicemail and we'd love to hear from you and also remember the pixel classroom podcast is always looking for sponsors so if you're thinking of sponsoring the podcast please let us know and we will get you set up on that note my friends i will talk to everybody later again on the pixel classroom podcast <laughs>